still my soul. Hey everybody, this is Phil. Welcome to our Bible study podcast. At the end of this study, please take the time to subscribe to the Glen Springs Church YouTube channel and check out our website. Also, if you live in the Gainesville, Florida area, we would love to have you visit us in person. For now, let's open up the Heavenly Library and may the words of the Holy Spirit sink deep into our hearts. Thanks for joining us. In every Good morning. Man, great crowd. This is so nice. We will never, ever, ever take a large crowd for granted again, will we? It is wonderful. This is a big week for our family in Christ. We have our team weekend coming up this Saturday. And once again, I want to share on behalf of Mark and Lloyd and Cheryl and myself our appreciation to this family in Christ for all the donations and all that's been contributed to help us put this on. And so thank you so very, very much. And if you still wanted to share, uh, you may, and you can just share uh, any kind of gift that you may want to share with uh, Mark or Laura. But this Saturday, we will have our teen weekend at Mark and Laura's house. And check-in will begin at 945. We have 107 registered uh, at this time, which I think is a very good number. Uh, considering just all the challenges in the world. But that doesn't mean that other teens just can't show up. We will definitely take any and everybody. However, if you know you might be coming, please let us know. Uh, And that helps us prepare a little bit more with respect to food and everything else. But big week, big week. And our theme this year is Survivors in Christ. And so uh, that is this Saturday. Uh, If you have your spiritual notebooks with you or your prayer list, I'd like to share a couple of items for you that were shared with me uh, to keep in prayer. The first comes from uh, Savannah, and uh, Savannah Barr has a student in her classroom. As you know, Savannah's a teacher, and one of the students in her classroom, a six-year-old, actually has had very severe asthma. They took him to the hospital, and now he's going to need CT scans of his heart and his chest. So uh, the challenge there has been elevated. So we want to keep that little boy uh, in our prayers. And in fact, if you don't mind, just keep not only that boy, but all the teachers uh, who are sharing knowledge and sharing their lives with children. Keep them in your prayers. It's not easy being a teacher. And uh, whether that teacher is in the public school or in a home school, uh, God bless those who spend the time uh, to teach our children. So if you don't mind, keep that little boy especially in your prayers. And then the second prayer I'd like for your prayer request is it's from the family of Danny Spradley. Uh, Danny visited with us for many years. Danny, as you might recall, was generally sitting on the back over there uh, on this side, of, and he would always bring visitors with him. He lived in the Glen Oaks Apartments next door, and Danny was just always visiting. Well, he passed away on Wednesday, and today is the funeral, and I would ask that you just keep his family uh, in your prayer, especially his four children, and I'm praying that the seed that Danny was trying to plant, that seed may flourish, and you'll be with those who are ministering with that family today, that uh, Lord willing, we can see some of them sitting in these pews and glorifying God uh, as Danny did. But those are my prayer requests uh, for you today. And thank you so very much uh, for your prayers.
Last week, we began a series, an important series. In fact, in many ways, you might say that this is the first responsibility of the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, and in verse 12, we find what is the mission of the church, and the mission of the church is threefold. Equipping saints, but not just equipping saints to help us grow mentally and to help us grow spiritually or to help us grow in our knowledge of God's Word. That is certainly the first mission, and that's where it all begins. But secondly, to equip saints for a work like no other, the work of ministry. And that's what we do every time we come together as a family of Christ, whether it's on a Sunday or whether it's on a Wednesday, whether it's in our small groups, whether it's in teen weekend, or whether it's in any other function that we're a part of, we are equipping one another to be unified in a work like no other, the work of ministry. And then thirdly, equipping saints. That we all can be equipped to edify one another. And that's building up one another. That's exactly what we've done the past few minutes, isn't it? Uh, was anybody else here just smiling the whole time we were singing? Anybody else here like me going, oh man, this is just great. If I tried to turn it up any louder, I don't think I could. It builds you up. It energizes and what we find is, this is our role. This is who we are. Specifically, our series is focusing on equipping saints for the work of ministry. And last week we looked at the first thing that we need to have if we're going to be involved in this great work is we must have humility. It all begins with humility. And humility is just simply a lowliness of mind. There's two ways to be humbled. You can be humbled by life in which life just takes you out at the knees and it knocks you down when you are not willing. It takes away something from you that was precious and you are humbled. Or you can choose humility by esteeming others better than yourself. Or even looking at it from the words of John the Baptist. Constantly being mindful that I must decrease so he must increase. Today we look at what is what I believe to be the second step of ministry. And notice we haven't got with how to deal with somebody else yet. It isn't the idea, okay, this is the program you need to follow. Here's how you need to go at it. Here's what you need to do. The first, the first equipping of ministry always begins with the minister. And I would suggest to you that the second step is compassion. To have compassion for those that you're seeking to aid and help. The word compassion, as we know it, actually comes from the Latin word, which means to suffer with. It is the idea of co-suffering. If you were to look it up in a dictionary, the dictionary would be a very good definition. It is the sympathetic pity or concern for others. But yet, when you really look at it from a biblical point of view, it's not just to look at somebody and go, aw, or to look at somebody in a challenging situation and go, man, that's awful, I feel for them. No, to really have compassion is to suffer with them, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. 
And more importantly, to share the Lord with those who need the Lord. This concept of compassion you actually find throughout Scripture, and most of the time, it's actually used in reference to our Heavenly Father. For example, in Zechariah chapter 7 and in verses 9 through 10, Zechariah writes, This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against one another. Uh, David says it like this in Psalms 103 verse 8, just describing our Heavenly Father. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. Aren't you glad that when the Lord looked down on humanity, when he looked down upon each and every one of us and he saw a wretched, miserable soul, he saw selfishness, he saw what was evil, he saw what was committed to darkness. Aren't you glad that the Lord didn't just go, oh, that's too bad. But in turn, he immediately said, I've got a plan. I'm going to put my compassion to action. I hope you have the Heavenly Library with you this morning because I would like for you to take down the book of Luke and go to Luke chapter 10 and in verses 25 and following. For if there ever was a text on compassion, it has to be this story. And I know that you know this story. But let's show honor to the Word of God. Let's show honor to our Lord Himself. And if you don't mind, if you would stand together as we read from the lesson of our Lord on compassion. Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? Have you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you, you, you go and do likewise. You may be seated. You knew that story, didn't you? In fact, you know what I really like about this story? It doesn't take a biblical scholar to figure it out because I am certainly not a biblical scholar. And it's one of those stories that you get, and that's exactly how Jesus intended it. You know, sometimes our Lord would share a story, or He would share a parable, or He'd share some paradox, and, and He knew when He was sharing it, nobody would get it, because it, it implied a desire that if you really want to know it, you're going to have to come back and ask for more. In other words, Jesus was challenging them, how much do you really want to know? Not with this story. No one. No one, regardless of their spiritual maturity, no one even really regardless of their age could miss the point of this one. And that's how Jesus intended it. I, I, I kind of get tickled, and you'll have to forgive me when I consider that this man is reply, or described as a lawyer. No offense to lawyers, okay? This doesn't exactly, I mean, he, the Lord, because he's a repairman, he could have said he was a preacher, you know, but he kind of gave the old lawyer a dig. And the, and the whole point of that is, here's a guy who should know the law, all right? And this isn't a lawyer that we typically think of. It isn't Joy. We're not talking about Joy here. She is a great lawyer. It isn't a beloved judge. It's not. This would be somebody, and you think of lawyer, would be somebody who would be an expert in the law of Moses. That's really what that implies. And you kind of get tickled when you look at it because you're like, this guy's asking these questions? Now, his, his, his first question really isn't bad. That's a great question. If you could ask Jesus a question, uh, just, just by the way, Lord, since we're together, anything I'm leaving out here to inherit eternal life, that's a great question. What was a horrible question was the second one. Seeking to justify himself. You know, it's interesting, Luke, make sure we know that point about this guy. And what's implied by that is law keeping better be according to the law. Because often it's easy for us to get caught up in our rituals or get caught up in the things that are easy for us or get caught up in the things that everybody's going to agree with and not cause a problem. And we feel satisfied with our religion. We feel satisfied with our spirituality. For example, somebody could actually leave here today and feel extremely close to God simply because they came to this assembly, which I would hope it would make you feel close to God. But the point of this assembly is not so that you can check off a box and say, I'm done. All right, lawyer, 
You've read the law, what should you do? Love the Lord your God, love Him with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the great commandment. Jesus said, great, do that, and you're set. And then the guy goes, but exactly what does it mean by neighbor? Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing a pretty good job with my neighbors. And that brings us to the story that Jesus emphasizes, compassion. When you look at the story, verse 33 is the point of the story. And like many of our Lord's parables, don't get caught up in all the other pictures that are shared in the story. Don't get lost in all the, not everything in the story is going to have some big, powerful, symbolic meaning. Because generally a parable has one message. And the message here is, Compassion. And what Jesus actually does is he defines for every single one of us what true compassion is. Go down to the very last line. Here it is. Go, do, likewise. Let's begin with the go. And what he means by that, he means that you got to get out of your comfort zone. It means chances are, if you really think you are a compassionate person, you may not actually be as compassionate as you think you are because your go isn't necessarily going. In other words, if somebody just happens to cross your path, if they just happen to be laid out on the floor, you might stop and help. I mean, let's just be honest. Has any, there may not be, maybe somebody here. Anybody here ever come up on a situation just like this where you were walking down a road and there was a dude left half dead on the side of the road and you went, oh, I'm called into action. There might be a couple of you, but most of you are going, it hasn't happened yet, but when it does, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. What was funny was when I was actually studying this lesson this week, <laughs> I was trying to get out of the office pretty quick because I wanted to try to make it to the gym and you know, the class was coming up and I, I, was, I was shooting down 39th Street and when I got almost to the interstate, I already had one of these big dump trucks that already passed me and I'm like, dude, I'm in the wrong lane. Even that dump truck's flying. I'm going to be lying. And, and, and I lost track of him. But when I got up to the intersection right there where the kangaroo is and Sonny's, there was a truck that had just been smashed on the front end and the dump truck was just a little farther ahead. And I was like, whoa, car was all smashed. It was raining. And I'm driving, when I kind of, you know, the wreck just happened. You know, everybody's kind of weaving around and I'm going, ooh, that's bad. And I went right on by it. And I went, oh, <laughs> I just studied a sermon on this. <laughs> Maybe I ought to turn around. Because I saw the dump truck driver barely had a scratch on his bumper. The pickup truck, I mean, it was smashed. Where's that guy? So I was like, I better turn. Oh, I'm going to be late to the gym. I gotta go. The guy was okay. But in a simple way, that's what's implied here. Going means get out of your comfort zone. Going means getting off your spiritual couch. Going means getting involved to help in the life of others. It means to go. It means to go. It's the idea that you may need to realize that your compassion only goes so far. If you simply look and go, ah, that's not compassion. That may be empathy. That could be sympathy. 
But it's not in action. It's not going to do what is needed. Uh, when the kids were growing up, I had a great delight in coaching their soccer teams. And one of Jill's soccer teams was really good. I mean, they were really good. And we were like the bad news bears. Most of these girls really didn't know how to play soccer. They would throw their elbows or this, that, and the other. I mean, we got more penalties than anybody else. We were just a ragtag, but we were good. Yeah, we, if we couldn't beat you, we'd scare you. It was great, you know. And the best player we had on our team was a little girl by the name of Micaiah, and she went by the name Tweety Bird. That's what she wanted us all to call her, Tweety, Tweety. And so Tweety, man, Tweety was great. And the play would be, get Tweety the ball. That was the play. And man, we were just winning, and it was all great. And then one day, one day, uh, the other coach of the league, the guy who kind of headed up the league, said, hey, do you mind giving Tweety a ride home tonight? I, I can't take her. He was always picking her up. I said, sure, absolutely, the star player. I'm on it. So we jumped in the old minivan. It was Jill and Gray and then Tweety. And, All right, Tweety, where's your house? And she says, I live over there. I said, where's exactly over there? She goes, it's in an alley. Well, Tweety Word was a big jokester. Tweety, no, really, where do you live? She goes, I live in an alley. I remember looking in the rearview mirror, and I saw Jill and Gray going. I said, all right, Tweety, Coach Phil's going to start driving where you're saying, but you need to be honest with me. My car went to a part of the town that it had never been before. It literally went over some railroad tracks. And when we got between 16th and 17th Street, she said, Coach Phil, turn here. And it was an alley. And I said, Tweety, I got a little stern. Don't be playing with Coach Phil. Where do you live? Coach Phil, I live down this alley. I turned down the alley, and it was dark. And again, it's a place my car's never been before. And we got to an old carport behind a house an old, old neighborhood and houses. And there was like a 40-watt bulb shining outside a door on that carport. And Tweety goes, that's my house. I said, Tweety, where's your parents? Well, I don't know where my daddy is. Well, where's your mom? She's in prison. I said, who, who do you live with, Tweety? I live with my grandma. Well, where's your grandmother? Well, she works at Bud's Cookies. I said, well, is she home? No, she's got the overnight shift. I said, Tweety, I'm not leaving you here by yourself. I'll be okay. My brother's here. I said, your brother's 12. About that time, a lady ran up to the door, and she said, oh, Coach Phil, Coach Phil. It was Tweety's aunt. She goes, I'll be with them tonight. I 
That carport was just a makeshift home. It had carpet, but the carpet wasn't even cut in. It still just rolled up on the sides as if you found pieces and you just threw them in there. Mattresses were on the floor. And I'm like, how did I not know this? I'm celebrating all these soccer skills and I don't know what she really needs till now. And that changed. Compassion means going. Compassion means getting off your spiritual couch. Compassion means getting involved in the life of others. And here's what you really got to think of with respect to compassion. Some things are much easier to be compassionate about. Who doesn't like a puppy dog? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, if, if you want to win on Instagram, post your dog, not you. That'll definitely get more likes. Get a handicapped dog, you're even better. Animals win. That's a win. Children, that's a win. Who isn't it compassionate for a child? But when you go back to the story, story is a man. And you know what Jesus doesn't tell us in the story, and this is important, how the guy got there. Was he a robber himself who his other band of robbers just turned against him and left him for dead? Maybe. Was he a guy who had been warned, this is a dangerous road, you shouldn't go down there by yourself, but you win anyhow? Maybe. The point is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether he looks lovable or if he just made a mistake or if he's just something against his, 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 his life to the point it was just time and chance happens to his all. It didn't matter. He needed help. Anybody know who Al Capone is? You know, show your age. The old gangster Al Capone. Do you know Al Capone considered himself a great man of kindness? Did you know that? Here's Al Capone's quote. He, I'm a kind person. I'm kind to everyone. But if you're unkind to me, then kindness is not what you're going to remember me for. I'm sorry, but that's not compassion. Jesus' point is, compassion goes. It goes. And, and not only does it go, but it's going to do. In fact, real quick, real quick, let me just add this in here. You know what you read about Jesus and our Lord? Our Lord was compassionate toward us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's compassion. That's compassion with a plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look at what your father did for you and for me. While we were still sinners, Christ what? Died for the ungodly. All right? So secondly, not only do you go, and we certainly see that in our Heavenly Father, there's a do involved here. And do simply means execute. It, it means fulfill. Uh, the word service, and this is actually what we're learning. We're learning the ministry. To equip saints for the work of ministry. The word ministry 
simply means to serve. It is the idea to wait a table, to wash feet, to give what is needed. And, and, and John encourages us to remember this, dear, dear children, dear children, do not love only in word or in tongue, but love with action and truth. 1 John 3, 18. And so here's what it means. It means if you're really going to show compassion, you're going to serve and you're going to spend some time or you're going to spend some money. Did you notice that twice in the story? It refers to what the Samaritan is willing to pay. What he's willing to pay. They're one of the biggest challenges I think all of us have. Sometimes it's really hard for us to cough up a few more dollars. Sometimes it's very easy for us to say, hey, y'all know there's a problem over there. Somebody needs to do something. You ever caught yourself doing that? Hey, there's a problem over there. I can't, there's a problem. Somebody needs to do something. Have the elders not seen that? Somebody needs to do Have the deacons not seen? Somebody needs to do something. Imagine the priest walking along the side of the road. Goes, oh, my, oh, my. Hey, somebody needs to help this guy. Well, I've got to get to a Bible study. point of the story is the Samaritan saw what needed to be done. And so he did it. He did it. And, and, and what I think is also very important here is that he gave what was needed. Does that make sense? I know that the Lord tells us in Scripture that every single one of us have been given certain gifts. We've all been given certain gifts, things that certainly just kind of fit into our wheelhouse, things that are things that we can do. But, but there are those times, and you've got to grasp this, there's sometimes that the way that you help somebody is not giving what you want to give, but giving what is needed. We had a guy once who part of a, a church that Cheryl and I worked with, and we were blessed with a lot of song leaders like our family in Christ is. And, and this guy, when he came to us, you know, the elders sat down and talked to him, well, what do you do? I lead singing. Oh, okay, we'll check you out. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. You want to encourage? You want to have five? He didn't exactly always get to lead on Sunday morning. And, oh, I'm a song leader. That's what I do. I said, well, there's other things that you can do here. And me, no, if, I, if I don't lead singing, I'm leaving. That's what I do. That's sad. Because a servant gives what's needed. And that may require a sacrifice on the servant's part. I, I love what's said of the worthy woman. This is Proverbs 31, 20. Listen to what it says about the worthy woman. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out 
her hands to the needy. It doesn't say she saw a problem and she ran and got everybody else and said, hey, y'all need to take care of that. She doesn't say, you know what? I've got so much going on. And that woman had a ton going on if you've ever read that story. But she saw the need. And how powerful was it for her children to see her fulfilling that need? Just a reminder, parents, some of the things that we do to teach our children with the greatest impact is not what we say, but what we do. May I just share this thought with you as well? When Jesus is speaking to this lawyer, he's giving the lawyer what he needs. Did you catch that? Lawyer didn't need a hug or a meal. He didn't need a good singing soundtrack. He needed a gentle lesson as a reminder. I found this this past week of a counseling service that I like to read from and learn from, and it was this quote. Don't treat people the way they treat you. Treat people the way God treats you. And that brings us to the last point when you look at this story. As he says to the lawyer, I want you to go and do likewise. And here's the big punch of the story. (laughs) Here's the big punch of the story, and I'll leave you with this. I want you to go, and remember this is a Jewish lawyer. I want you to go and act just like the Samaritan. You think you got it all right? He's got it right. You think it's all about academics and knowledge? He is living what he knows. You want to be like your heavenly father. Love those who are hard to love. You want to be like your heavenly father. Love those who are inconvenient. You want to be like your heavenly father. Be merciful. Matthew 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Forgive us, says Jesus in the model prayer, as we forgive those who are indebted to us. The lawyer asks, who's my neighbor? Jesus says, here's your neighbor. The person that is sometimes hard to love. And may I just remind all of us, our love for the Lord is, is never, ever going to be greater than our love for our neighbor. Your love for your neighbor will show you how much you love the Lord. Compassion. 
I tell you what Jesus does in the story is he questions the lawyer's motives, doesn't he? He questions his heart and he questions his affection. But in the same way, he speaks to all of us to open our eyes and be mindful that the wounded are all around us. Can I remind you that the wounded are all around you right now? Maybe it's that six-year-old that we were talking about that needs our prayers. Maybe it's a spouse who has been abandoned and left alone. Maybe it's a child who really is the true victim sometimes of divorce. Maybe it's a father who has lost his job and has been beat up by the cutbacks and the downsizing in life. Maybe it's the senior citizen who is simply struggling with the consequences of old age, who's being beat up constantly with medical issues, medical bills, and loneliness. And maybe it's even the church leader, the elder, the elder's wife, the deacons, the deacon's wife, the teacher, who's been constantly beat up because sometimes service is just not easy. And sometimes the more you run after the sheep and desire to pick them up, the more that they want to bite you and kick against you as you're just trying to bring them back home. It's the idea you want to see change in the world, be the change. Be the light. And be mindful that every single person here right now has been beat up in one way or another. Be compassionate. Co-suffer together. So as we consider what ministry does, ministry moves. It's not just beginning with humility. It's going to move with compassion. Maybe we can think of it like this as we close and offer an invitation. Every single one of us Every single one of us have been that poor, distressed traveler. Walking down the road of life and we ran into the greatest robber there is, the most vicious villain there is, Satan. And when we came around the corner, he was there. And he beat us and beat us and has left us for dead dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. But God came around that same road and He saw us in His Son. And through the cross, He bandaged the wounds. Through His own suffering, He took away our sin, and then picked us up and set us on himself and carried us to the Father. And even when we come to our Lord in baptism and we begin that Christian walk, he says, here's more if you need it. I want you to be totally well. Because he's committed.
to our life. He's committed to us. And so what we have in the story is also a salvation story, isn't it? And praise the Lord that our Father, His Son, and the Spirit who works through His Word is filled with compassion for us. It might be this morning you need to respond to that compassion. This is your time to do that. Don't leave here today without receiving the bandaging of your wounds. Waters of baptism are ready to wash you and cleanse you and make you whole again. That's my invitation to you and to all of us who have received the wonderful gift of that blessing. Let's remember now what we've been called to do. You, you, you go and do likewise. If you need to respond to our Father this morning, won't you come while we stand and sing? The Lord is in His holy temple. Again, thanks for listening. If you live in North Central Florida or you're just passing through, we would love to have you visit us at the Glen Springs Road Church of Christ. Also, check out our website, glenspringschurch.com. You can learn more about our church family and how to contact us. Until next time, God bless. Keep silence, peace.